This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, listeners. It's good to be with you again tonight. And we are so fortunate to have Megan with us once again. Mm-hmm. She's from the CID. So, um, Megan, just maybe for those listeners who didn't listen last time, just tell us what the CID stands for again. Okay. Hi, everyone. So, I work for an organization called Christian Action for Dependence, CAD. So, we work with individuals that struggle with addiction, alcohol, and drugs specifically. We offer them counseling services, um, not only that, not only for them, but also for their family members. We also have support groups based all over the Western Cape, basically, or more Cape Town focused. Not only that, we also do referrals to different rehabs if you are looking to receive more help. Mm. And last week we spoke a little bit more about the alcohol issue because it's November now. We're moving into December, this time of the year, lots of parties and so on. Um, So listeners, if you missed last time's program, make sure that you go back and listen to what she said if... Um, if you know someone who struggles with an alcohol addiction. But this time we're going to talk a bit more specific about drug addiction and um, youth and tick. Tell us a little bit about that, uh, Megan. I'm sure you um, you get this a lot, in, especially here in the Cape. Yes, yes. So tick is currently the most popular drug in South Africa, especially in the Western Cape, um, it's becoming more increasingly more popular amongst the youth, which is also a bit worrying. So tick, it causes changes in all parts of the body, the mind, the brain. Tick causes the heart to work overtime, to beat faster. It blocks the arteries. Your heart gets too little blood. It can cause a heart attack at that point mm. or a stroke. You get body pains, shortness of breath, nausea, um, vomiting. You lose your appetite and you just can't control the way your body moves. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. At the groups that we host, especially in Eskif King, the young ones will also tell us how they cannot even sit still. They would start doing something as simple as cleaning, but it's such a... Um, abnormal behavior they would clean to a point where they don't want to see even a bit of dust and it's just it's it's a very it's not a good behavior for them to have Mm, Um, but yes yes it's a very aggressive type of high basically and it also it always starts when they're out and they want energy so Mm -hmm. then they use that that took basically but it's high also that takes quite a while to come down um that's why a lot of users tick users also use cannabis or mandrax because the mandrax now slows down your nervous system and that's what they want now to get out of the eye so mm. not only are you using tick becoming addicted to the tick now you become addicted to mandrax as wow. well because you want to get off of that eye wow. yeah and um tick in the communities is really bad because they do sell it to the young ones mainly so that they can become addicted from a very young age mm. not only that parents views are also using tick Children are seeing that, and it's just a bad cycle that just continues and continues. Mm. Um, yeah. What mm. ages do do you find that people um, get addicted to tuck? As 
the my youngest client was 10 years old oh. wow. that, yeah and that also comes from gangsterism of mm. gangs recruiting as young as 10 to 13 and that's where they also introduced to drugs sure. um they are given this idea of a lavish lifestyle if you're in, in inside of a gang and that's where you are used as um people who move around the drugs and that's how you also get full into using the drugs and it's just it just gets worse from there mm. you know Megan we are talking about tick and uh, and the effects of it it's, it sounds horrible and i can imagine why it is such a great concern for even the governments of the western cape or any type of government but uh, you know i was just thinking we may have some international listeners what is tick really what is it um i mean this is perhaps tick. a local name for it but what is it yes so tick would be known in the us or any other country as crystal meth mm. that that is the the correct name for it okay 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 yes so it's not it's not a south african local concoction pre- concoction because yeah. i heard yeah. that people actually make it is that true Yes 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 it can also be made and it can be made from from normal products you have all these like glues and stuff from and petrol and all those things and they make the concoction the concoction and it they just give it the name tick or they have the crystal meth and they mix it with other things to make more basically so that they can sell it for more they have more product to sell and that's when they just give it the name tick sure and and then especially what happens if parents are are also addicted and then children get addicted wow it it really sounds like a systemic problem so when at yes. what stage people uh, do people come to you for help once again it's only it's they don't themselves not always they don't always recognize that they have a problem it's very rare that we that we actually get someone that came here without anyone else telling them that you need to do something it's mm. always someone a close friend or family member who's telling you you know this is getting out of hand you need to seek help and that's what makes them snap basically and be like okay i do need to get help because someone is telling me my behaviors and it doesn't sound like me but mm. it is possible that you you can recognize out of your own self that you do have a problem but that's once again also when you are at your wit's end and yeah. then what happens do they immediately go for rehab or do they first come to you then so yeah you you cannot go immediately to a rehab they would tell you that you need to be referred by a social worker so that's where we also come in they come to us we do our assessment on them whether they actually want to go to rehab um what their problems are the what their lives are like how bad the drug addiction was also and then we give them the options of the rehabs that they that they could attend and then we apply on behalf of them mm. and then how does it work with money because i'm sure this is a costly you know to, to go to rehab is, is a lot a lot of money and often people i think who are addicted or they, they don't really have that kind of money yes 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 um, so most of our clients are unemployed so we would apply for a state bed where there's not really much fee or not as much as involved is involved so but with the state bed is that the downside is that you end up on a waiting list and the waiting list could take months for you to get off of that's only mm. because you are going to be taken as a state subsidized patient mm-hmm. and then and is there anything they can do while they are waiting do they co- continue to come to you for help then 
Yes, yes. They continue to come to us for counselling or we will also tell them if they want further counselling, not only from us, we refer them to Sanka in Belleville or we urge them, we really urge them to attend our support groups, which is where they would be around people that also have an addiction problem and they would just feel that they can get through or they'll be motivated to, to just stay clean and to hold on until they can get into the app. So it sounds like you you have both in and out patient or out clients. Um, uh, so let's talk more about that after the break. Thank you, Megan. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, we were just about to answer the question about the in and out patients. So tell us a little bit more about that, uh, Megan. So with outpatient, we don't, I mean, with inpatient, we don't directly deal with that. We do the referral to the rehab, and that's where they have their own social workers and psychologists mm. and nurses to work with with the client. We are more um, outpatient, should I say. So mm. we would book a client for a period of, uh, let's say, nine times. So within nine weeks, we'd, we'd have the program and work with them that way. They would return home. Just We just hope that you know they would stick to their word and not use and that's how we offer our services. Mm-hmm. But you also go to rehab centers as well to help with the um, with the program in in the the rehab. Yes, we do our especially with with King, We have our monthly sessions there, which would be like an hour. We do group sessions, and with other rehab like Ramot and Kensington Treatment Center, we would just go there to promote our services in case they don't have the social work when they come out then they would come to us for mm. aftercare. Mm. Mm. And just tell us again, um, where are you in the Cape? You said in Coles River and uh, in Strand, yes. I think you said in the previous program. What other places are you as well? I have the list right here. So we have a group in Coles River. We have one in Strand. We have in East River, in Heidelfeld. In Langebaan, um, Fuleni, in Oudsweren, and Paul. And then we have in Stellenbosch as well, and two groups in Tegerdal and Gurud and Wooster. And if anyone is listening today that is um, keen to start a program like that, um, is there a way to do that? Yes, so we are also encouraged or we need to start about three groups a year. So we would encourage anyone, anywhere, if they want to start a group, a support group, they can just reach out to us. To CAD, we will, we will help them start this group. So they can reach out to us, tell us who they are, tell us that they have at least three members that are willing to join. And then we can start the group from there. We do a whole group launch. We invite the community to come for the group launch. And we just take it from there. We discuss how many meetings we also have, whether you want to do it once a week or once every two weeks and so forth. Mm, you guys seem very organized. Mm. Uh, do you do yes, the 12 yes. steps as well? The 12 steps? No, no, we don't do the 12 steps. Or I'm not aware of any of our support groups doing the 12 steps, but we do have a... CAD workbook that our groups work from or most of our groups work from. Mm. So there, there is a particular program and it's very interesting that you work in groups um, because I know 
Um, I couldn't find healing when I was trying to solve my addiction on my own. But the real healing started when I entered into a supportive community. How do you ensure that your groups and the individuals in the group feel safe to be able to come back and share from their hearts? So we just hope that, you know, it's, it also all depends on the group members themselves to make the others feel welcome. I know with, with all of our groups, they are very Christian-based. Um, so this itself allows new members to recognize that nothing will be as fulfilling as having a good relationship with God. The group itself, that's what the group work will show you. Mm. You will walk away wanting to return and wanting to know more. Um, I know in the groups, especially from the CAD workbook, there are always scriptures read from the Bible mm. in every session. And some might feel like, oh, I didn't know, oh, I don't know much about the Bible, so I won't be able to participate. But when the leader or some group member relates it to your addiction or an incident that occurred in your life, you would feel that your faith is becoming stronger because you will notice that, you know, you can relate, you can go to the Bible for answers. Mm. And that's what all of our groups strive to do. And that's good because that also takes us to the theme of this month that says, God can, I can't. And mm. uh, we spoke about it last week as well. But it's a very important part of that, that um, so long people try to do it on their own and then they try to help to do it with the help of other people. But eventually, um, you know, we are body, soul and spirit and, and yes. uh, addiction is a spiritual disease. So um, it's a family mm -hmm. disease, but it's also a spiritual disease. So it cannot really mm. be fixed without that component because the devil is like a roaring lion, yep. right? So it doesn't yeah. matter how many things you put in place. If you don't need, if you don't pray and ask God or, or reach out to God for his help, the devil will continue to find ways to come to, to lure you away and to continue to, um, to, to let you fall into this problem repeatedly. And, and, and you know, Suki, in our yeah. previous program, um, we were talking about specifically surrendering our will and our lives over to the care of Jesus. Mm, um, mm -hmm. And that is really when my um, recovery got a real kickstart mm, mm. and it, it, it expanded exponentially. Um, it became better is when I really surrendered, uh, came to accept my addiction um, break out of denial and get to the point where I, I say I'm powerless and then surrender uh, my addiction, surrender myself to Jesus mm. because he's the one that does the work. Amen. Mm. But it takes quite a while, eh? And mm. so what do you guys do when people maybe, um, because this is a Christian program, so what do you do if people are not Christian or they disagree? Because like you said before, Many people are not into that when, you know, when they get into the program, they've actually moved away from their relationship with God. Yeah, so we do understand that a lot of people are not in that um, proper headspace concerning their faith, but they still desperately seek help. Hmm. That's why when I also hear about we need to, we need God to recover from our addictions and we can't do it ourselves, I do believe that God gave 
a certain group of people, like social workers now specializing in addiction, nurses, psychologists. I do believe that God gave them a gift Definitely. to be able to help those who can't help themselves. Mm. That's how God works through us to help others. Mm. And that's that's all that I can say on it, working with a non-believer, basically. Yeah. No, and he does, right? And especially with something like um, like drug addiction or tick, you know, tick that we spoke about earlier, it's it's such a um, it 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 affects a person on so many levels. I think it's it's yes. so important to be able to get help on all these levels uh, because you cannot just take it from one point of view. It it, it really affects body, soul, and spirit. Do you guys yes, find definitely. that people get better? Because, I mean, you're doing this now. I, I think so often when we think about drug addiction, we get so moodaloos. <laughs> you know, we get so discouraged yeah. because we hear about people struggling and then they, they stop and then they start again. And then they start, you know, they stop and then they fall again. So wh what would you say um, are the success rates that you guys um, see and experience? The success rates are not too high. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've heard that about 75% of those who went to rehab usually relapses. Mm. But, you know, we, we do have hope. It's not that it's 100%. Say, for instance, most of our support groups, they, they are recovering addicts also. And in order for them to also be a good leader, they know that they need to be clean. Mm. Also on our our organization's board, you also need to have been an addict and you need to have been one year sober. Mm. So that itself just tells me that there are ways to be able to get better. People do get better because they are able to do these things. Right. Mm. And it is a process. Eh? It's a mm. long mm. process. Mm. It's like a, the, yes. the patterns in the brain need to be re, reshaped. Rewired. Rewired, yes. right? Yes. And it yes. takes time for and that to happen. Yeah, and it's not only that, you know, there's a problem, you you fixed it. It's that it's something that you need to choose to work on every single day. And that's mm. the only way that you'll be able to maintain your sobriety. Yeah. You, you know, uh, Megan, when I was at the height and when I started re realizing how incredibly big my problem was, I actually prayed earnestly for God to remove it. And uh, I prayed some very drastic prayers, which I am so grateful that the Lord didn't answer. But but I, that didn't help. Uh, I couldn't get out yeah. of my um, out of the addiction. It was almost like I was praying that God would use a magic wand, and oops, the problem would be would be solved. Um, so yes, in my yeah. case, I really I realized eventually that the real root of my problem was deep inside, um, deeper than, than what I was able to express my, my faith with. Um, and it's only when I started through the help of others, as you were saying, not by myself, but in a community with uh, professionals, that I could get to the root. Why did I want to engage in, in pornography? And I think, uh, so how are you able to bring your clients to that place, knowing that it is a process, no quick fixes, and for them to stay in the program? 
So all that we could do is offer our support is that we work out a treatment plan for them and we just hope that they follow it because we also cannot force them to be doing things that they don't want to do. It is, mm. That's out of our hands. But we just hope that with our treatment plan, with them coming all the time, sticking to the appointments, that they realize that there is a problem and they need to choose to to be sober. There would be times when you, I would work so long with the client and then they would just suddenly stop showing up. And then I would always just call just to check up on them, ask them what's going on. Do they, do they want to speak over the phone at least? Mm. Just to check. And that's, that's how I'm trying to encourage them also to just stay active because I am a social worker that, are, that is concerned about mm. my client's well-being. And mm. I would hope that uh, it could get to a point where they realize that I am there to help and that that's the only way that they could also help themselves is to accept that support that I'm offering them. Yeah, so important that there is hope. And I know if people keep going to the meetings, it's also very helpful because you keep on hearing people that are in the same position as you speaking about things that yeah. might be helpful. So we, we, Frederick and I, are still involved in groups after all these years, me in family members and friends of addicts and for him in his groups um, we are involved in, in deeply spiritual groups, we're involved in secular groups but groups are very very helpful uh, and it's part yes, of the process. Yeah. Megan it's been so wonderful talking to you so people you can reach out to the CAD um, telephone number and contact numbers you can check it out on the internet it's all over they've got a website and you can make sure that you can slot into one of those programs and get ready. I really want to encourage you to get ready for December and don't wait. Even family members and friends of those struggling with addictions, get ready with a, with a plan. Mm. There is hope and there is help. Mm. Yo, thank you very much, Megan. Uh, many, many good tips and ideas that you gave us and to the listeners. So listeners, um, if you perhaps came in halfway through, uh, the podcast will be available in a few days' time. And uh, click on to um, www.kpulpit.co.za forward slash podcasts forward slash into me see and you can download the the podcast and even send it to a friend uh, so until next month and uh, next week bye bye this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m please visit kpulpit.co.za